Welcome to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. I'm Kelly Patrick. Coming at you as we do every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. till 11 a.m., talking all things in the world of sports. Um, alongside Steve Driver, Les Abbott, how are you guys doing this morning? You're welcome. <laughs> what, what am I welcome for? I'm here. You're welcome. I do appreciate your presence, presence as Les, I, I do with you. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. Plenty to talk about this morning in the world of sports, whether it be NBA, NFL, Lonzo Ball, his brother. Is it Leangelo Ball? Yes, it is. Leangelo Ball, his two UCLA teammates, Connor McGregor jumping into a cage, all sorts of dramatic stories from the weekend in the world of sports. Uh, certainly don't need to overlook the fact that college football is thriving right now. There's a lot of excitement in the world. Uh, Ohio State had a big win yesterday. They did, yeah. Um, unfortunately, it doesn't look like it means that much. Do you not? Do you guys both agree? That what? I mean, if that what? If we're talking about playoff implications, no, it really doesn't mean. Do anything you guys at all. remember the 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 last team left out of the playoffs last year? You remember who that was? Penn State. It's Penn State. They had two losses. Okay. They and ended up winning the Big Ten. Some people think they probably should have been put in the playoff over Ohio State. But whether people think they should <coughs> Yeah, some people think that who happen to have allegiances to the Big Ten. Okay. Listen, I... 99% of those people? I think if we if Ohio State had a different quarterback, they could probably be a top-four team in the country. But when I'm, If I was 6'8", I could have played college basketball. They don't. But everybody's so eager to, to say they're done with... They could still win the Big Ten. You could be undefeated Wisconsin. You play Michigan before that. You can win the Big Ten, right? You guys agree with that because that's a fact. No, it, it, it could happen in a perfect world if there's a playoff of, uh, say, 16 teams. Ohio State may still be the most talented, most potent team in the country. Less possibly, right? Possibly. I mean. Yeah, no way of knowing. The, unfortunately, that's not the structure. So, so, but wait, I'm sorry, you're trying, you're, you're saying. Okay, but, and then you look at the teams that may have been eliminated yesterday. Notre Dame has two losses now. They're probably out. TCU has two losses. They're probably done. You have about, you have four teams that, you know, Miami, Oklahoma, Clemson, Alabama, and Wisconsin. But what if Wisconsin loses? What if Miami, Clemson, the winner of that will get in? The loser will be out. You're probably not looking at two SEC teams anymore with Georgia losing. I mean, who are you guys putting in at the end of the day? I'm saying most teams, if you can win your conference, still have a chance to be put in the playoff. Les? That's a fair statement. Yeah, if Ohio, you're saying Ohio State may beat Wisconsin and somehow still win the I'm Big Ten. I'm just saying it's really early now, and people are jumping the gun trying to say who's in, who's out. There's still a lot of football to be played. If you can win your conference, you have a pretty good shot of getting in, right? That's fair. Or you will be one of the first few teams to be left out. Yes. So to say that their season is over with, I com- I don't agree with. You still have to play. Michigan. Season is not over. Louisville season isn't over. Louisville season is. Nobody's yeah. season's over until they play their last game. So I mean, <laughs> to be literal, I am very literal. Thank you. The Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzz Line is five zero two three eight four fourteen fifty. We encourage you to give us a call. Get in on the action. Um, college football, although not the most topical um, conversation piece here in the Louisville Southern Indiana market at the time across the country, I would say, is thriving, right? This is an exciting year for the sake of college football. It really is. Absolutely. And especially the, the turnover chain really has people buzzing this morning. <laughs> Fill our, our listeners in who, who may be unaware. My I, First off, the, the biggest win yesterday, I would say, and we, a big conversation piece for us last week and the week before, was our man Brian the Insider had said he feels Miami was getting screwed over. 
right? Yep. They weren't getting the recognition they deserved. We said, fortunately, in this in this situation, we do get to see next Saturday Miami plays Notre Dame. Well, they definitely played like they were getting screwed over for sure. They played like they had a chip on their shoulder in, in, in South Florida. Notre Dame looked pretty bad though. Their quarterback, oh jeez, they was, pulled him early. What about that move? He was overthrowing everybody. Is, like, is, he was shook up. Offensive line didn't look that great. What do you think of the move by Brian Kelly to pull the quarterback early, and then the next guy comes in and throws a pick six? It looked like. He had zero confidence. I mean, some wide open guys to where he just couldn't deliver the football. Like well, he was forgot all of his mechanics. Well, we've watched Brian Wimbush play all year long. That's kind of the quarterback he was. Brian Wimbush is definitely more of a run. He definitely tries to make passes off the run. He's not a true pocket passing quarterback. And Miami exploited that last night. Yeah, Miami's defense line is stacked. Too. What do we think of Mark Richt? Where, where does he rank? It's too early to rank him really that high. He's right probably now. He's, he's a top what ten he's done coach. And um, what he's done right now is, I mean, in two years, in top less than coach. two seasons, is top ten coach. Yeah. What about the way he left Georgia? What about that? I, he was done. I mean, that was like a mutual agreement. He was. Yeah, done. That, that's I'm, my my argument is that's just a little bizarre. Am I wrong? But look at Georgia has very now. high standards. Yeah. I mean, Georgia's doing well now. Besides this past weekend, right? And they're not – all of those three teams in the SEC control their own destiny. Alabama, Auburn has two losses but one SEC loss. So if they beat Alabama, they will get the nod in the SEC championship game. Georgia could win out. All these teams, one of the three could potentially make the playoff. Alabama, Auburn, or Georgia. Or, hell, even two. I don't know. Right? After watching these games yesterday, I – I don't know which team I really count on anymore. Like Alabama got an early scare. From Mississippi State? Yes. I mean, that came down to the last 15 seconds. I don't think Mississippi State is that really that great. I don't think the SEC is re- really that great either, honestly. Auburn beating uh, Georgia. I honestly don't know how good Auburn is, but which team do you really count on to make the playoffs? Maybe Alabama, Clemson? Besides that, I mean, these teams are winning one week big and then losing the next week. I think this thing could scramble ten different times before the season's over. If if we are gauging this based on potency and um, you know firepower for both offense, defense, special teams, on field ability for each team, which four teams are in? Because that's a different question entirely than who has the merit, who, whose season thus far has as warranted them to make the playoff. If we're talking about the four most talented teams, who's your top four? Les? Alabama, Clemson, Penn State, and Ohio State. Those are my four most talented teams. Okay. But who, as as of now... So, so, so you are going along with, with Steve's narrative that Ohio State is, as far as potency... As far as talent, yes, absolutely. But they just need a quarterback. Okay. Steve, are you you agree with Les on these? Uh, Alabama, Clemson, Penn State, and Ohio State are the most talented teams. That sounds like he's. Re- they both have. They all have. I don't know who the most talented teams are right now, but who should be in the top four right now? It's Alabama, Clemson, Oklahoma, and Miami. Wisconsin's probably fifth man out right now because they haven't played anybody. But those are the top four. Is it going to stay that way? I mean, Clemson, Clemson and Miami. One of the. They're going to eliminate each other. Yeah, they're going to play in the ACC championship. I, I, I actually so. think Miami could, could beat them, too. Les, do you simply bump Miami in for Ohio State into your 
He's not saying that's his top four. No, I know, I know. It was a specific question. Um, Do I bump Miami in for Ohio State? Is that what you're saying? Yes. Yes. Right now, they deserve to be in the top four. They've won uh, two straight uh, wins over top 25 teams after one of their uh, biggest knocks against them is that they hadn't played a tough schedule. They've played, like I've said, they played uh, back-to-back ranked opponents. I mean, they deserve to be in the top four as much as anybody right now. They're undefeated, too, as well. So, they're playing really well. And not only, like, not only – that they're undefeated. This win over Notre Dame, just how they did it, I think definitely shows that proves that they need to be in the top four right now. There's no denying that. That was a home game for Miami. They had home field advantage. What does Vegas say home field gives you? Three points? Uh, Notre Dame was favored in that game. They were. I know, but it, I'm saying take the home yeah, field advantage home field out of it. Regardless, 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 Miami <clears throat> beat Notre Dame 41-8. to They beat them like a drum. I'll I'll say the bigger story that not a lot of people are talking about is how much different of a team Notre Dame is on the road. Now combined for the season, the two best players for Notre Dame, arguably, Brian Wimbush and Josh Adams, now combined on the road have a total of three touchdowns. Wow. I'm just saying that's – they're a completely different – yeah, they are a completely different team away from home. Kind of like Duke. You get these private schools and they're just not rough and tough like I am. I mean, I wouldn't call you rough and tough. But no, yeah, 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 rough and tough. I do jujitsu, Les. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Plenty to talk about outside of the world of college football this morning. Um, sexy storylines across the, the world of sports that would intersect with the world of sports. Leangelo Ball plays basketball for, for UCLA. Uh, him and a couple UCLA teammates were in China, and they went to a... Louis Vuitton store, which was, I believe, connected to the hotel they were staying in. For some reason, all three of them thought it was a good idea to do a little bit of shoplifting. And and to be honest with you, I don't even know that they were doing shoplifting. The reason I say that, I was thinking about it, is there's no due process in the same sense of the word that there is here, right? They're being held in China now. We don't know exactly what happened, right? We don't exactly know it. I'm not saying they're being accused. They stole from three three separate stores. (laughs) They probably did, right? Mm-hmm. It doesn't seem that many people are claiming they didn't. Kelly, you were telling me before the show, whenever you go out of the country, you stop stealing. <laughs> yes. When I shop um, within the United States, domestically, I'm big on the shoplifting. It's just an easy way to save a few bucks. What about Canada? Canada, I don't shoplift. Mexico? No. If I'm outside of the country, I don't shoplift. Um, Hawaii? Nope. Nope. Never been to Hawaii. Never been to Mexico either. Say you were going to Hawaii. I would not shoplift. Still a part of the United States. Puerto Rico? Ah, I'd avoid shoplifting there. Still a territory. No. If I'm within the United States that I'm familiar with. So you have to be familiar with the city. So if you go like out of state to a state you're not familiar with, you don't shoplift either? No. The United States in my book, if you're in Utah, it's similar enough to Kentucky that I feel at home. Yeah. I'll go in and shoplift all day. Or like Cincinnati. Oh, yeah, Cincinnati all day. You'll rob everybody. Yes. Um, Other stories would be there was a Bellator fight um, on Friday in in Ireland. Conor McGregor had a few teammates competing on the card. And one of his teammates won a big fight. Conor McGregor was not a corner man. He jumped from the... Did you see this, Steve? You're smiling. You're automatically defending him. No, because, I mean... You're really looking forward to this topic. You you don't like Conor McGregor at all. I have grown to be not a fan of Conor McGregor, correct. 
He goes from being a, a fan sitting in the stands, jumps up, runs over, jumps over the cage, gets into the cage, hugs his teammate, while someone is knocked out, mind you. Okay. And what's exactly wrong with that? He's not credentialed. What is wrong with that? Yeah, what's wrong with that? He made it about himself. He's not credentialed to be in the ring, right? Hugging your teammate makes it about yourself. He shouldn't have been in the in the cage, Les. He he doesn't have a credential <laughs> to uh, to enter the cage, so stay, stay out of it, right? Is that what you're getting at? Yes. Yeah, somebody's being tended to. There should be medical personnel inside the cage addressing the person who was knocked out, right? Yeah. Covered in blood. There shouldn't be random people who probably drunk running in, jumping in the cage, hugging people, right? If Nate Diaz did it, would you... Um, no, I would say it was stupid and, and childish. I really would. All right, at least you're I'm not saying Nate Diaz is a saint. I'm saying Nate Diaz is authentic. Conor McGregor is a WWE persona. Um, Nate's kind of crazy, too, though. He's super and crazy. You, He's like authentic Mexican like guy who's crazy. What? You like that about I him. I do, yeah. I feel like if... Les made a good point. If, if Nate did this, you'd be like, ha, he's crazy. You never know what the Diaz. I don't love Nate Diaz unconditionally. It's not like I'm. It's all my love for Nate Diaz. That's not what it is. You have a poster of Nate Diaz. No, I don't. What? I thought I saw one when I was over last time. So so get to your point about Conor McGregor. He is trying to set up what I would say. All right. First off, he went along making one two million dollars per fight. Then when he fought Floyd Mayweather, he made over a hundred million dollars. There's nowhere to go up from that or even sideways. He's going to go back to making one or two million dollars most likely no, for a fight. No, not one or two. How much you see? Okay, maybe 10 million. 10 million. 30. 30 million for yeah. fighting who? Because that's unprecedented in the world of the UFC. He's, Educate me. He's going to want to promote his own fight. I think you already said this. And he's going to fight Paulie Malignaggi? No, I mean... Uh, who, who's he going to fight he that he's going to make that kind of money? Back, if he comes back to the UFC, he's going to have a new contract or... Something that says to where he's going to make more money. So he's completely and entirely above the law. I never said he was above the law. If he works so, out so a he, contract he, with so, the UFC, okay. then, then why can't he make more money? He could. It, it, would you say that's going to be against maybe Tony Ferguson or something I like that? I think Nate Diaz even said if he fights Conor again, he's making more than $10 million, right? Okay, so he's, he's going to structure his own outside of the realm of what the UFC normally does. Well, I That may be true, but where's all this money going to come from? Connor's Dana White and, the, and the, right? the new ownership of the USC will get some of the, the cut, right? Yeah, I mean, they, they, they have a monopoly, basically the closest thing to a monopoly in the world of combat sports over MMA for a reason, correct? Floyd Mayweather, when he promotes his fights, it's him. Yeah, Maybe. well, the UFC got some of that money, too, and Connor still made over $100 million, right? He's he's going to make more than one or two or three million dollars. That's a, I think he made, what did he make, over 10 his last his last UFC fight? I'm pretty sure he made around 10, right? That sounds right. Yeah, yeah, 10. Okay. And I was saying one or two because that's normal for big stars to make in the UFC. He he When he knocked Jose Aldo out, Chad Mendez, some of those fights, he made more than the norm because he's the biggest star in the sport. But $100 million down to 10 or 15 or even 30, that's a big difference. Well, so he's taking steps to try to keep his name relevant, keep his name in the, in the news cycle. So he's smart, like Floyd Mayweather, right? Sure, you can say it from a business, yeah, similar to Floyd Mayweather. He's taking a... Who uh, you like, might I add? I like Floyd Mayweather. I cannot see Floyd Mayweather doing this. I see a lot of can similar you? personalities. Can you see Floyd Mayweather like. jumping into a ring, probably drunk? First off, Floyd doesn't even drink. Connor is a mess. Connor is a mess. 
But Kelly, no people that drink are a mess. Kelly. No, that's Kelly, not what I'm saying. You're a very passionate like, man and, and probably lover as well, but <laughs> I'm sorry. Um, this all stems from Nate Diaz, your love for Nate Nate Diaz. It, it stems it does, for it really does. It stems you're, from you're the fan of Louisville and certain you're a huge UFC fan. You Nate Diaz is probably your favorite fighter, am I correct? Is he your favorite fighter? That is accurate. He's my favorite you fighter. Feel, if I had to pick a favorite fighter, because he, he choked, he choked Conor okay, McGregor so out. Here comes, people. He here choked comes. Conor McGregor out. Right about yep. this. He he, if it was actually fighting, this Nate Diaz killed Conor, Conor McGregor. McGregor. Conor McGregor didn't like kill him. Nate. What? This is why you don't like him. Yeah, I, that that does feed into it. Yes. Okay. Yes. He's a good bit shrewd businessman. Not to the degree of Floyd Mayweather, though. I agree with you. He shouldn't have jumped into the cage. No. And I, you say he was only for um, business purposes. He did it to get some cameras on himself. Maybe people start writing articles about him. And I'm not trying to take a, you know, on a high horse, take a, a all high and mighty stance on this entirely. I've done dumb stuff. Sometimes I'm saying that's childish. What Conor McGregor does before yesterday, I felt this way. This is an example of Conor McGregor reaching out, trying to keep his name in the news cycle, which I think is is blatantly obvious and it is not based on his in cage or in ring if he's a boxer he's a joke conor mcgregor's turned into a joke sometimes real life mixes with your wwe persona right and you kind of don't know who you really are anymore like rick flair on the 30 for 30 <laughs> he said We're comp- he was living his rick flair ring lifestyle outside of the ring mm-hmm. that's basically that's who he became right Yes. Connor has kind of done basically the, the same thing. And it's keeping people talking about him. We're looking at a poster of Muhammad Ali, and there's been comparisons between Connor McGregor and Muhammad Ali. I feel those comparisons are entirely uh, offensive to the legacy of Muhammad Ali. So, I mean, he is, for the sake of this, we are a general sports show. We're talking about combat sports because of Connor McGregor. Thank you, Connor, I guess. Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502 384 1450. We're going to head to the buzz line now. We've got a couple of callers lined up. We actually have, first, we have Katie on the line with us. How are you this morning, Katie? I'm good. How are you? Doing great. We appreciate you calling in. Uh, What do you have for us this morning? Um, I just wanted to say that I think (laughs) jumping in the ring and doing something like that sounds like something you would do, Kelly Patrick. (laughs) That doesn't mean mean it's right. I've done all sorts of things that are, are wrong. I'm just saying, that sounds like... That sounds like something you would do. Maybe. And I would have deserved to be tased and maybe pepper sprayed. Do you disagree? You need to get off that high horse of yours. Okay. That is something I would do. I've done many things that resulted in consequences, and Conor McGregor um, has taken some steps, and yesterday, in my opinion, he was acting childish. So I won't disagree with you there, Katie. Are you mad that you're not going to get some publicity for your stuff? For, for the things that I've done in the past that are stupid, I did them yes. all in vain for no reason. Maybe yeah. a little maybe a little bitter there. Maybe. A little bitter? Maybe yeah. a little bit. You may have picked up on a, a, a personal chord there, sure. <laughs> all right, yeah, that's, that's what I wanted to say. Well, thank yes. you so much for the call, Katie. Have a great rest of your weekend. We look forward to hearing from you soon. Thank you. Thanks. Bye. Once again, the Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram buzz line is 502-384-1450. We're going to head back to the buzz line where we have our man, let's go ahead and call him Nostradamus, Brian the Insider on the line with us. How are you this morning, Brian? How are you feeling after you predicted Miami was getting screwed over last week and the week before, and they came through with a huge win over Notre Dame. They won 41-8. to How are you this morning, Brian? 
Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, first of all, I agree with Katie. Uh, I think it's probably something you would have done. I don't agree with Steve that uh, you're not just a passionate fighter, but a passionate lover. I, I think that's uh, that seems a little bit of a stretch, but uh, good stuff. But um, um, yeah, I think Notre Dame is, was way over. Here's the deal, guys. Here's 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 the fake news cycle that I uh, I want to expose. The NCAA and ESPN, they want Notre Dame in the Final Four. They want the Buckeyes. They've got a narrative. They want Oklahoma. They've got a narrative of who they want in, and that narrative didn't fit Miami. And to think that Notre Dame, who, you know, who had, you know, that whole deal with their one-point loss was to Georgia. Well, we found out Georgia's not for real when they got blown out yesterday at Auburn. That should have been the first sign that Notre Dame wasn't going to, you know, be able to stand up. Miami, if you look at who puts the most players in the NFL, it's that area down there in Miami. They're either from the U or they go to school somewhere else. Look at the best talent that we've got. Look at Teddy Bridgewater. Look at Lamar, and what a performance Lamar put on yesterday. He's from Pompano Beach right down there. So the, the thought that Notre Dame was going to stroll in to a crazy environment and manhandle a team that's got probably 10 guys that are going to go in the NFL is just absolutely crazy. And I was tickled to see the U stand up and do what I thought they would do. And, uh, boy, I tell you what, crazy, crazy time in college football. Alabama survived. Um, Mississippi State, I don't know if you guys watch that game, but, yeah. man, they, they lost an opportunity. They should have went for yeah. it on fourth and two. They punted it. Uh, you, you know, it, that Mississippi State outplayed Alabama, should have won that game. Bad coaching at the end, uh, not enough guts. When you've got Alabama on the ropes, you've got to go ahead and try to finish them off. Do you agree with that, Steve? Yeah, absolutely. And some bad coaching by Todd Grantham to blitz on third and 15, and they just hit a quick yeah. slant and got the first down, and then the game's over when they score the next two plays. I thought it would, they, they handled it very poorly. They did, and and what did we see on TV? That would have been the first time since they've done the polls going back to 66 that number one, two, and three would have lost. But that shows you what we've got this year in college football. And if when they come out, I think Tuesday night, if Wisconsin and Notre Dame, or I'm sorry, Miami aren't in the top four, then then this whole thing. And I'll tell you, I'm going to throw out another team that needs to be creeping close and in the top ten for sure. And they're not going to be in the top seven or eight, and that's undefeated UCF. Now, I know they, they haven't played anyone, but what does that mean to play anybody? Everybody beats everybody, and that team's undefeated. You know, it's the largest college in the country as far as uni- uh, students enrolled, and uh, they're undefeated, and that means a lot. Brian, who do you have in your top four? I've got, I've got Miami. I've got Wisconsin right there. I've got Alabama. Alabama will probably be number one. Number four, I don't know who slides in there. I know who they're going to slide in there, and that's Oklahoma. I can't get yeah. past that bad loss Oklahoma had, you know, at home. And, uh, you know, and, and I guess with the way the Buckeyes pounded, boy, is anybody more a Jekyll or a Hyde uh, program than Ohio State this year? No, they looked great See, yesterday. What about your Buckeyes? They either show up or yep. they don't show up. Yep. So it's a great deal. College basketball starts today. Hey, did anybody catch the Cats game? I mean, uh, Cats were down, I, I think, like 12 at halftime. It's going to take a while for this Cats team to gel. Got a lot of talent, and they came around at the end. But 
that same Utah Valley team that gave the Cats all they wanted got blown out by 30 last night at Duke. Now, that was the second game in a row, so I'm sure their legs were a little worn down. But uh, this isn't quite – it goes to show you you need some some veterans on the team. I'm excited about Louisville's chances. We don't know what kind of coach David Padgett's going to be, but we do know he's being given a very good and experienced, deep, long Louisville team. And uh, they, they tip it off at 2 o'clock today. But I want to leave you guys with one thing. Lamar Jackson, I tell you what, I, you know, what a treat. Is there any shot he doesn't go in the first round? Because if he doesn't go in the first round, I think he comes back. Uh, but but you'd be foolish not to take him in the first round. And, and Lamar be, obviously would have to go. But what a treat. And when do they put the statue up? I'll let you go, guys. Enjoy the show. Thank you so much for the call. As always, Brian, we're going to head to a break. But on that note, I would like to tease for the next segment. Where will Lamar Jackson be drafted when he is inevitably drafted in the NFL? What position will he play? And will there be a statue put up, as Brian suggested, for Lamar Jackson? Be sure to stay tuned. Steve Les and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. I'm Kelly Patrick alongside Steve Driver, Les Abbott. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz coming at you as we do every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. to 11 a.m. Broadcast here locally in southern Indiana and Louisville on the only locally owned sports radio station in the area. What that means is we can come on the air every Sunday morning and discuss... Whatever sports topics we feel uh, deserve mentioning. The two kind of um, tabloid type stories that I would say for today's show would be Conor McGregor jumping into the cage, LiAngelo Ball and his two UCLA uh, teammates being busted for shoplifting in China. Do you hope that they get prison time? Or <laughs> no. They, they say I, I said I, sh- I, shop- I haven't shoplifted since I was in high school. But I shoplifted, and they're not much younger, much older than I was at that age. Yeah. Okay, so uh, just ship them home. No, they should be in trouble. They're legal adults, right? Yeah. I don't know what the rules are. That was a bad decision. They're being held there, right? Yep. Les, what's a, you, you follow things very closely? What, in a what's the verdict? Room and not a jail cell, though. What makes you say that? Because China is a rational place to get busted for things, based on your personal experience and people you know having been arrested in China? What Less? It, what it looks like is they're going to get 30 days in home incarceration. <laughs> that's what it looks like. I mean, that's what it looks like. But, I mean, we, uh, we that's just kind of the business we, we uh, sadly, we live in. I mean, they're not going to get prison time. Anybody who thinks they are is probably misinformed. Enough money is going to be thrown at China's way to, to where these guys are going to get. 
That's that's how I think, but it's not going to hurt my – I mean, if that's the rules and they want to get prison time for it, I don't have a problem with it, but. Last year cutting out a little bit. Um, have you ever it? watched that television show uh, involves being arrested abroad? What's it called? No, I've never watched it. That's the scariest stuff I've ever seen in my life. Yes. It's very intriguing, but you maybe you smuggle some drugs into some certain country and then boom. You're in prison for like three years. years. Yeah, and it's horrible. And your family can't get in contact with you. Yeah. You don't get a lawyer. That stuff is scary as hell. Yeah, absolutely. I was in Spain one time when I was like 19, and um, I, you know, out partying. Did you see the Philip? speaking of which, did you see the Filipino president and his claims this past week? Yeah, nothing to do with sports. Nothing to do with sports, but an awesome story. He continually brags in press conferences that when he was 16, he stabbed a man and killed him. <laughs> I think he's claimed that he's killed multiple people. And this is the leader of a country. Yes. Creepy. So, I, I don't know. Leandro Ball and his teammates um, being arrested in China is intriguing. I don't know if there's any other stories that we haven't touched on that, that are, are relevant. I could t- We could talk college football all morning. I was fortunate that yesterday I was able to watch Lamar Jackson and Jair Alexander and the rest of the Louisville football team uh, play what I would say is maybe their best performance of the season in person. Next Saturday is probably going to be the last time we see Lamar Jackson play in Louisville. If you want to see Lamar Jackson play Maybe the quarterback position in person next week might be your last chance to do so. How was the attendance? It was. I thought it was pretty good. It was pretty criticized, though. Yeah. Were there just some? Did people arrive late? No, no, they were there. I was there at the beginning of the game, and it looked like there was people scattered about all the way up to the very top of the stadium. Okay. Um, But there was some, you know, empty seats spread out across. It was cold as hell. It was not a pleasant day to go to a football game, yeah. especially for a team with four losses. I'm worried that they're they're adding seats to the stadium, yeah. and then you're just hoping on a on a good product to, to sell it out. A lot of anxiety. A product on the field. A lot of anxiety among the Louisville faithful that because of Bobby Petrino's buyout being lowered, that he will leave, skip town, and then what will happen? We'll we'll just, br- you just get Charlie Strong back. That's what I would do. <laughs> I've heard some people say that. Stuff like that does not happen outside of the University of Louisville and Kentucky near as often as people think that it, it's not just standard procedure that, well, we'll bring this coach back. I mean, that, that's happened with Louisville a couple times, but historically that does not happen across college sports. Les, I saw your face light up when Brian mentioned that Kentucky had a win against Utah, Utah Valley, right? Coached by Mark yes. Pope. Yes. And they, they did make some progress. Brian's not a Kentucky fan, so he was, he was probably trying to be polite. Uh, they struggled against Utah Valley. And then, of course, the reason Les's face was lighting up is because Utah Valley was able to play Duke the next day. Yes. How'd they do? Duke played pretty well. Okay. I think that's a fair statement. It's, U- very, it's very Utah Valley, statement. though. I mean, and it's early. Um, and obviously, I mean, UK's UK, a very UK young UK team. We're like going to know more what Duke's made of on, on Tuesday. Who they play on Tuesday? Michigan State. And UK plays um, Kansas. Kansas. But um, it's we know that you know, UK usually takes time to to become the team they're they're going to become, right? Like early in the year, they're usually they struggle. By the end of the year, I mean, how, how old are these kids, Kelly? Eighteen. We determined earlier that what 
one of the uh, Kalia Smith. Who who is it? Kalia Jones. Sasha Kalia Jones. Sasha Kalia Jones was, was the only returning player who who had no Wayne and Gabriel. Wayne and Gabriel also because he started at the power forward position last year. You're right. He started, he started some games. Yes. But Kentucky's obviously a very inexperienced team, as is the norm for Kentucky these days. No upperclassmen. So we're talking about how inexperienced Kentucky is, but you can make that same argument for Duke. Except that they have Grayson Allen. That's one player. Yeah. That's, that's one player. Yeah, you can say yeah all you want. That's one player. Yeah. That's one player. That's there's only five players on the court at a time. You put that one player. Be- with, okay, if there's two with Kentucky and there's one with Duke, I'm not good at math, but two's greater than one. Two. So you're saying Winyan Gabriel and Sasha Kalia Jones are equivalent to Grayson Allen, what accolades has Grayson Allen won in his career? Where did I say that? No, I'm asking. No, no, no. I said if we're no, you, you made it sound like they surpassed because no, no, no. no. it's two versus one. Two, as, yeah, two as far as two returning players. I'm just saying you talk about inex- if we're talking about inexperience, we have two returning players that played last year for Kentucky versus one with Duke. I'm, that's what I'm saying. But Grayson what did Allen, Sasha Kalia Jones do last year? Not really a whole bunch of anything. Okay, well, Grayson Allen is a very accomplished college basketball yes, he player. He could but be in the NBA. That's not my point at all. Okay. It was absolutely Is it experiences coming back? It's the number of players coming back from last year's team as opposed to this year's team. That's, that was my point. Duke has four freshmen in the starting lineup. So, I mean, I wouldn't say that's an experienced team by any means. Is Duke going to win the national championship list? That's too early to say that. Who's I, your prediction? My preseason number one was Kansas. Okay. Duke wasn't even my preseason number one. They're too young. And where, where's the Akeem Olajuwon guy play again? Um, he plays for Arizona, DeAndre Ayton. Okay. I watched some of Duke and Utah Valley probably the first half. Um, and then I stopped because I realized college football was on, okay? <laughs> so at this point, it's way too early for me to predict some who's going to win it all in college football. Um, I mean, college basketball. Too soon for me, Kelly. Today at 2 o'clock, George Mason at Louisville at the Yum Center. So, I mean, that's something to look forward to. We don't have to talk about college basketball, uh, you know, for the entire show. I have a question for you. Do you think at some point this year you will be – you will have a heavy heart and you will be missing Rick Pitino in a bad way? Sure, certainly. I was talking about that last night. Is uh, David Padgett, his father, was a a very accomplished coach in Vegas. Padgett's obviously what you would say is a – it's almost cliche to say that about a white guy in college basketball, though. A heady, smart player, um, good passer, good free throw shooter. David Padgett has all the tools to be a great coach. However, when you get to the tournament, conference tournament, ACC, you're playing against Duke or any of the teams in the ACC, really. I, I do think, yes, uh, I'll be thinking, damn, we took Rick Pitino for granted. How soon? I will always be a Rick Pitino fan. How soon will this happen? Because of his, his substantive uh, accomplishments on the court. It, it'll be... Will it happen today? No. Nope. I think David Padgett, uh, you know, can do great things for this team, and I may be proved wrong. Kevin Ollie walked right in and did, uh, you know, won a national championship. I continually go back to comparing this Louisville um, scandal, scandals, whatever the hell's going on at the University of Louisville, to Connecticut, because that's the blueprint for what I would like to see, how I'd like to see it pan out. I think in the perfect world, that's what it, I think what every Louisville fan should want to happen. Is is for David Padgett to be Kevin Ollie, basically? Yeah, pretty much. This will hit yeah. harder, though, because this is going to affect the team for multiple years to come. I mean, you're already – recruits are already not in, in, interested anymore, right? Yeah, but plenty of those same recruits wouldn't have been interested regardless. They always shot for the stars. They always recruited the, the, the McDonald's 
you know, the blue chip, very, very top 10 players, regardless, and people took their name out of consideration because that's not what Louisville does, right? I guess so. They got some pretty high... I, I, I think they could survive. I, I continually go back to, if we're bouncing back between college football and college basketball, you got to keep in mind it's just a different animal. Inherently, there's only five players on the court for, for basketball, right? And Grayson Allen has a big impact on the basketball court, in my opinion. He does. I would agree with that. Huge. I mean, he may be player of the year this year. He's possible. My, my preseason player of the year was Miles Bridges, personally. But okay. Grayson, it, it, it's not out of the question to say Grayson Allen could be a part of that conversation. But all you need is a couple players or five, seven really good players, not, maybe not even superstars, to make a run. So we'll see. But, yes, to answer your question, Steve, I could see come the ACC tournament. That long. Yeah. I think there'll be a bad loss to a team that you shouldn't lose But Rick Patino always had horrible losses early in the season. Okay. And if anybody comes on here and calls the Oxmore Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline, which 502-384-1450, and says, Rick Patino wouldn't have lost this game. I will reference back to, if they're saying Rick Patino wouldn't have lost this early season game, I will reference back to a handful of times where Rick Pitino teams lost early in the season, late in the season. Remember when they lost to South Florida on senior night at home? And then they bounced back and they went on to a, a run to the Final Four? Yeah. They got their ass kicked at home in one of the most pathetic performances I've ever seen with Russ Smith looking horrible. Everybody on the team was horrible. And then they got hot. So college basketball, uh, former 1450 AM WXVW host John Renshaw put it so eloquently college basketball is so great because it has it embodies the ups and downs of life you can have wins losses um and then if you you continue your momentum you don't know where you can go with it at the end of college at the end of the season that's why college basketball is so great and i hope it's not on the verge of being extinct um less shed a tear last night coach k got his a thousandth win as a as a duke coach any thoughts on that, Kelly? He's the greatest to ever do it. What are your thoughts? Do you agree? Yeah, probably. I mean, who would we compare? Who would his contemporaries be? Who would we compare Coach K to? John Wooden. You can't John Wooden. So yeah, it, it is difficult to compare eras because there was such a lack of parity in that time, right? That's what you. But when you say the greatest ever, that's no, no, I agree. I'm not disagreeing with you that that's who we would compare. Pat Summit. Mm-hmm. Are you talking? Oh, you're comparing to, in this generation, Pat Summit, Gino Ari. Ariyama or yeah. the other ones, yeah. But if we're saying the best ever, I mean probably Coach K. I mean I'm saying and you when you say Coach K is the greatest ever and you say who would be the other people we compare to, that mean kinda can imply no, yeah, history too. That's that's right. Yeah, I, I agree with you. you said John Wooden, I didn't mean to say that you're that, that was incorrect. He would be somebody we compare it to. Who are some of the all time greats um right now? I mean Bayheim, Calhoun won three titles. Mm-hmm. Um, that Tom, goes under look. Tom Izzo's a great coach. Tom Izzo, but he's only won one, right? Yeah, and he yeah. flops kind of off. Bobby Knight won three. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Bobby Knight, who keep in mind, Coach K is a Bobby Knight protege. Absolutely. Do you wear that as a badge of honor, Les? You're a Coach K fan? I mean... What are your thoughts on Bobby Knight? I think he's a good coach. Good coach? He's a very good coach. <laughs> he's a very good coach. Three titles? Well, I mean, what do you want me to do? Like, just bow down to him right now? He's he's great coach. Top yeah. five coach maybe, ever, maybe? maybe Obviously, yeah. He's... His um, after-career antics have really... And during career. Yeah. I know a guy who played for Bobby Knight and told me some 
very disturbing stories about him. Bobby Knight was a, a very intense co- coach. You don't see that as much in college basketball anymore. Remember Mike Rice for Rutgers a few years ago? He was throwing the basketballs at the players and just yeah. And and um, you know what it is. And and talking down to them. It's these millennials these days. You, know, <laughs> you can't you can't be rough and tough anymore. It's all about emotional healing. It's, no physical violence at, at all, right? Marcus probably agree with me. Marcus would agree. Millennials are soft, according to Marcus. But there's soft people from all generations. To be fair, yeah. And people will inevitably of of the millennial generation when they are in their 60s and 70s will be saying something somewhat similar yeah. about them. You're right. Yeah, so exactly. We'll see. Um, other topics that we haven't touched on: NFL. Is anything about the NFL intriguing right now? Are you I mean, kidding me? Absolutely. I mean, we all well, just going to go with the Ezekiel Elliott. Suspension. You're just not a diehard NFL fan. That's what it is. But uh, I mean, I'm going to be watching the NFL today. I'll be watching the NFL today too. It has my interest. Okay, what's sell me on the NFL? What we were just talking about shoplifting in a foreign country, Steve. It's going to be a drop off. Ezekiel Elliott is suspended, and then he's not, and then he is, and then he's not. We don't know if he beat a woman. Now, now he is. Now he is. And it looks like it's probably for good. Okay. Is that is am I supposed to be buying that? As- no, no. You're excited not because of the the little storylines. It's you're excited because of the games and who's in first place and who's trying to become in first place and the Cowboys play the Falcons and your Bengals are gonna lose to somebody. I don't know who they play, but that's why you're excited, right? The Browns are playing the Lions. They're going to get the first win today. That's why you're excited, Kelly. It's What's the line? What, have the you looked at it? What's best. the line on the Browns-Lions? It's the best of the best, okay? These are the best guys from college. What do you think the Lions are favored by? If you want a sport played at you know, its peak, you're going you're to watch the NFL today. I have it pulled up. Browns are 0-8. What? It's 5.5. It says here 10.5. What are you looking at? ESPN. That's what I'm looking it's at. Only it's only 5 and a half. Five it says and a it's half. A, okay the line it says Cleveland um it says Detroit's favored by ten and a half. It's gotta be ten and a half less. Uh, I'm I'm just telling you what I'm looking at. Well you're looking wrong. Probably. <laughs> Other games across the league? I mean we, we don't says, have to we don't have to go eleven and a half. Eleven and a half, okay. It depends on what you're looking at. Steelers and Colts. All right, what about Andrew Lott, class? Touch on a a, a personal Where he's seeking treatment in Europe? Yeah. Well, what? No, no, no. Not just that. What about the stories that, that that people are saying Andrew Luck could be playing, and that maybe he's generation. Marcus was saying that last week. He's a a, a a young guy who could be playing, but he's 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 holding himself out. There's been more. Did Jim Irsay say that? No. Some people within the Colts organization have came out and said. Jim Irsay said it was in his head. Yes. Okay, that's what I'm, that's what I was getting at. Sorry, I, I forgot the exact words. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's ridiculous. I mean, personally, if I'm Andrew Luck, I don't play this year at all. Regardless of the severity of your injury, Regardless. even if you're able to play. Right, because, I mean. Because your team's not as good as you hope it to be. Well, the thing is, is the shoulder injury, I don't know if people actually know the specifics, but that actually shoulder surgery that Andrew Luck had in the offseason is a 9- to 12-month uh, recovery time anyway. But now, with the team the Colts have this year, I don't think it's a – a bad idea. I mean, he's been banged up before. This is not the first time he's been severely injured in a Colt uniform. I mean, he's lacerated his kidney for his organization. I don't really think anybody needs to question his toughness in general. But the thing is, 
If I'm Andrew Luck, I let this shoulder heal. I give a I give the Colts another year in the uh, Chris Ballard era to go in and sign some more veterans, make an, have another draft. I mean, th- just this past offseason alone, he's replaced 26 players on the roster. I mean, that's a pretty decent start. But if I'm Andrew Luck, I just let another t- uh, let this team just kind of you know pan out for the season, let the offseason play out, and then come back ready to work next season. Sure. Personally. Do you agree, Kelly? Yeah, I mean, if I were in Andrew Luck's shoes, you know, I, I may make the same decision. It's just interesting, the turmoil. You should have consistency within your organization, right? Okay, you shouldn't have Jim Mersey saying, ah, it's on his head. I mean, the Patriots, well, let's Mersey hold them as the gold standard. Do we agree, Les, the, the Patriots are the gold standard? Yes. They are, absolutely. You don't like them. Okay, that, what does that have to do with them? No, you're admitting it. Okay, so, I don't, I don't so like I'm, I'm giving you a compliment. You're admitting they are the gold standard. Well, despite, I'm not a homer. Okay. I mean, we've, I've made that clear on the show before. You are a homer, though, about really? some things. About like Duke, what? Duke. Like what? Duke. What have I said that's a homer? We look up, do I need to look at your damn... Twitter timeline? Yes, look at my Twitter timeline. <laughs> There's nothing homerish that I ever post Listen, about Listen, we're all passionate about the teams we like. Sometimes we could all be I just a admitted that Duke doesn't deserve to be the number one, th- the preseason number one team. Okay, well, okay. Which you can also find on my Twitter li- timeline as well. So I appreciate you saying the Patriots are the gold standard. Well, could yeah. you see Robert Kraft or Bill Belichick or any of the Patriots top-tier guys coming out and saying, yeah, <laughs> I think Tom Brady's this injury's in his head. No, exactly. No. You, you, if you're playing it poker, you don't need to show your hand, right? Right. It all goes back to the consistency within the organization that you're talking about. So we are a local uh, show, a local station. We actually have the contract for the Colts here in the Louisville, Southern Indiana market. So that's a team. Um, I know nobody outside of the Colts fan base really wants to hear us talk about the Colts all day, right? Right. Not the most intriguing story in the world. Um if we're looking across the landscape of the standings across the NFL, Patriots are 6-2, and two, leading the AFC East. AFC North, Steelers also 6-2. and two. Titans are leading the AFC South at 5-3. and three. Actually, they're tied with the Jaguars. Yeah. AFC West would be the Chiefs, 6-3. and three. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs? They've been struggling lately. I don't know what's happened to the play calling, but... You know, Marcus can hate on Colin Cowherd all he wants, but Colin Cowherd did, has predicted it, though. What? That the Chiefs are going to fold them. The later we get into the season, the Chiefs fold. Are the, the Chiefs? weather starts coming in, Alex Smith starts disappearing. I'm trying to think of a historical comparison for the Chiefs. Remember when the Phoenix Suns had Amari Stoudemire and Steve Nash and Sean Marion? Sean Marion, yep. Leandro Barbosa, other guys. He's going to name the whole roster now. I can name, yeah. Only about Boris Diaw. Boris Diaw. Or Joe Johnson. Joe Johnson. Young Joe Johnson. Channing Fry. Channing Fry. Absolutely. Um. They would have great regular seasons, mm-hmm. but then they would flake out when it came playoff time. I mean, you can even make the argument about the Colts. Yeah, despite the fact that they won a Super Bowl. They won, they did win one Super Bowl. Okay, well, if, if the if the Suns had won a, a – like, Yeah, okay. I get so I'm drawing a parallel historically between the Chiefs. They're going to be at the top of the conference this time of the year as long as they've got, right, Andy yeah. Reid and, and Alex Smith, right? But come playoff time, fizzle. Right? Some teams just can't win in the playoffs. Look That's at all the right. Cowboys. Look at if the I, Bengals. I would almost take it as a Bengals fan. I'd almost take that rather than than, than what the Bengals have, right? right. Not mean, almost. I would. I mean, yeah. I mean, even if they're not succeeding in the playoffs, at least they're getting to the playoffs. So Kansas City Chiefs are 6-3, and three, leading the AFC West. We're going over to the NFC. The Eagles are 8-1. and one. 
We talked last week about the strength of schedule, if you will. Not the biggest thing in the world of the NFL, right? But there are ways to compute how difficult your schedule yeah. is. And they just put up 50-something on the NFL's best defense, yes. the Broncos, right? So they're almost nibbing that in the bud and saying, we are better than what our strength of schedule suggests. Oh, absolutely. So how, how who's the favorite right now to win the Super Bowl in your eyes? With who's playing the best football right now? Yes, that's I what I'm asking. The Eagles are Philly. probably the uh, the best team in football right now. What if the Vikings get Teddy Bridgewater back? They're six and two right now. Kelly. Are you really expecting Bridgewater, with all the time he set out, to come back and give like close to what he was before but the injury? He for he just forgot how to be uh, a quarterback. I think he'd be better than Case Keenum, and they don't have Sam Bradford healthy. With the injury he suffered and the time they're he six spent and away two. from the game, he's not just going to come back and start firing. I mean, if well, he does, that's he pretty has magical, been pra- He has been practicing, right? Okay, what is that? <laughs> Practice and a game are two completely different things. So you don't think he should come back for their 6-2 first place team I, either? He should pull Andrew Luck? If you're injured, just wait till next year? I'm, I'm wondering how you all come up with this, like, <laughs> with these answers. That I'm trying to get what you're saying. I'm saying he's not – I don't think he's going to be Teddy Bridgewater right away. I think he, if he wants to come back, then by all means – but he's not going to be the same quarterback at least starting well, at off. At some point, I'm not you saying have he never to get the rust get... off, right? Yes, exactly, and that's what I, and that's my point. He's going to come back with some rust, is all I'm saying. What? So you're halfway through the season. You're probably gonna you have eight games left. I'd say maybe if they're in the playoff hunt, they're eventually. It is certainly an intriguing story to follow, right? I'm not going to sit here and pretend it's as exciting as Conor McGregor getting hammered, drunk, and jumping into a cage. Or the Angelo Ball going into a communist country and getting caught shoplifting. I'm just not. I mean, injury report. Don't you just love how Leangelo is the only one that we really talk about. There were three teammates. That, I mean, he wasn't the only. All right, let's let's transition to his brother. How is uh, which brother? Um, Lamelo. No, the, Lonzo. Oh, Lonzo Ball. Lonzo youngest, Ball. Yeah, absolutely. He had a good game last night. The youngest player to record a triple double by five days. Beating LeBron by five days. Yep. Um. But thus far in his NBA career, he is not quite living up to expectations, right? His okay, shooting percentage 12 is games very into his I agree. I agree. Career, I mean. That's fair. He, the NBA has learned that he can't shoot the ball very well. At the NBA level, because that was a strength of his at college. Yeah, well, he, he can develop it. Though. Let's bounce back to Sean Marion. <laughs> Sean Marion had a horribly ugly shot, and it worked. Yeah. Right? His efficiency numbers were off the... Off the charts, right? He was like the most efficient player in the NBA for like a five-year stretch. And he had a horribly ugly shot. But how many jumpers did he take as opposed to how many Lonzo's going to take? Yeah. Lonzo's a... It's a different era, too. Mm-hmm. The game is more predi- uh, is more focused on the three-point. In, in Sean Marion, I know we're specifically mentioning him because you said him earlier for the Suns, but he would shoot threes. But yeah. not at the clip that Lonzo Ball is doing. That, that's my point. You know what's funny about Lonzo Ball is he, Magic Johnson believes in him. I have an eight-year-old son. Guess who my favorite, my son's favorite basketball player who? in the world is? Is it Lonzo? Not, but he does have a Paul George jersey. Uh, that's Lo- Lonzo Ball. Is it really? His favorite player in the world is Lonzo Ball. I like Lonzo Ball. I think that he brings a lot to the table personally. Sure. He's been compared to maybe Jason Kidd as far as court vision, mm-hmm. right? Athleticism. So we'll have to wait and see. Um, Plenty to talk about. We don't have to harp on the NBA all morning. 
We've got more NFL, more college football to talk about. Be sure to stay tuned. Steve, Les, and I will be back with more of the Weekend Sports Buzz. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. Coming at you live from Jeffersonville, Indiana, as we do each and every each and every Sunday morning from 9 a.m. to 11 a.m., talking all things in the world of sports. I'm Kelly Patrick, Steve Driver, Les Abbott. Uh, plenty of stories to cover this morning. Um, I have a text from our man, Marcus. Marcus says he's a little under the weather. He's not quite up for the phone call that he gives us most weeks, but he does have a text message, which I believe I'll just go ahead and read. Thoughts? You guys got a minute for me yeah, to read this? I'm, I'm ready. As you know, Marcus can be a little bit wordy, so bear with me here. Good morning, Kelly Patrick and Weekend Sports Buzz. Mark Twain said many quotable things, but the one I'm reminded of today is... The more I know people, the more I like dogs. Why? Because the more college football I see, the more I like the NFL. Georgia got curb stomped yesterday. Catholics versus convicts, more like altar boys versus a prison gang. And now we get all this hand-wringing crap about how those schools must have been overrated. Overrated? How can you accurately rank college football? Especially in the Surely Everyone Cheats Conference, they intentionally round up tiny schools from Division Three and pay them to come in and get blown out. Alabama 56, Texas Middle of Nowhere State 3. <laughs> Everyone says, man, the tide is great this year. What? These games mean nothing. Georgia lost, so now they suck or Notre Dame must have been overrated. Nonsense. It's college football and the sun don't shine on the same dog's ass every day. Alabama will be number one now. They'll play some poor school with 3,000 kids enrolled soon and beat them 49-7. to Everyone will say, yeah, that's how the number one team plays. What they don't say is, hey, the Tide is 3-3 three and three in their last six postseason games. That's pretty mediocre. But it is the truth. Will Georgia-Wisconsin, who has played the softest schedule in Notre Dame, make the playoffs? Maybe. Give us an eight-team playoff, Power 5 champions, the top team from the non-Power 5 schools, and two at-large teams. Then we will have real football. Until then, give me the NFL. Until next week, boys, more Boston Celtics win streak, more USC Trojans coming on strong, and more millennials doing, well, something. I'm out. (laughs) 
So Marcus, as always, covered a lot of ground there. Yeah, for sure. Thoughts on thoughts on Marcus's his, uh, text? I absolutely love his uh, his 18 playoff. That's actually what I've been a fan a fan of. I mean, he wants like I think that's the more accurate way to have a a true like winner of who's the best team in the country at the end of the season. And did you see who Ole Miss played yesterday? I think they played Louisiana Lafayette. Why are you playing teams like this this late in the season? How that's that, exactly how, how is that allowed? That's exactly what Marcus exactly, meant. I agree. 100% Alabama with that. almost lost to Mississippi State. They. How good is Mississippi State? They haven't really played anybody else. I mean, mm-hmm. it, that's not really their fault. They did schedule FSU, and FSU just turns out to be terrible. But a lot of these teams don't play anybody. We don't know how good Auburn is. We don't know how good Georgia is. Right? Um, I mean, Wisconsin, I think if it, even if they're undefeated, they haven't played anybody. What if they had the schedule of Penn State? They'd probably have two losses. What if they had Notre Dame's schedule? They'd probably have two losses. So I don't completely agree with um, Brian that they should automatic, automatically be in. Miami definitely. Now. Yes, now. You and Les, you and Steve have both changed your tune for Miami after winning this big time, right? Well, yeah, because they haven't really played it. But up until the last two weeks, they really haven't played anybody. Mm-hmm. So we don't – and that's kind of – But now they have. Yeah, There's they not have. too exactly. many teams you could really count on each I'm week. Not a, say, we're not a hater – of saying by saying teams that um, haven't played anybody don't deserve to be in there. We just have to see it first. We're not saying these teams aren't the real deal. We just need to see it first. That's all our point is. Okay, that's fair. So, college football. The the sentiment of Marcus's call overall is give me the NFL over college football any day right now. They don't have a, a legitimate playoff system in his eyes. Yeah. They have more than thirty two teams. Alabama will definitely get in the they, playoff they, again. Right? The NFL has a sixteen. Or uh, uh, how many teams make the playoff total? Uh, twelve. Twelve. I'm sorry. Twelve. Twelve teams uh, make the playoffs in the NFL. So we we know out of the certain that you have to take certain steps to make the playoffs in the NFL. Right. So it's much more of an Americanized, structured system. It's more of a bracket system as well. It's more of a bracket system that that is definitive. You're not going to have some BCS buster come out of nowhere and all of a sudden some Canadian Football League team is going to be eligible for the NFL playoffs. So that leads us with the NFL. What what is intriguing right now about the NFL? You guys gave me the the Vikings and Teddy Bridgewater, which is are you excited about? That? I'm excited. I think Teddy Bridgewater is a a, a very uh, he is a great fit for the NFL. When healthy, I think he'll have a, a long. I've compared his deep ball ability to maybe Eli Manning or something like that. I think he 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 moves around in the pocket. Doesn't rely on his his legs to move the chains necessarily. He has a cannon. So I like Teddy Bridgewater long-term they, they, they in the NFL. some weapons, too, I don't know if I'd a good use the word cannon to describe his arm. What I notice about Teddy Bridgewater is his composure. That's okay. the one thing that stands out for me with him. He makes smart decisions out there. Does he have the greatest arm in the world? No. But if you're making good decisions, you don't need the greatest arm in the world. And that's one thing I've always liked about Teddy Bridgewater. Like you said, he doesn't rely on his legs. He uses it to buy time to get his receivers open. And that, and thus, um, that's a smarter way to utilize his legs. So he's more like Russell Wilson. I mean, in did that did, sense, did Peyton Manning have a cannon? Who has a cannon then? I would say Aaron Rodgers, Joe Flacco, Matthew Stafford. Those guys have cannons. Peyton really didn't have a cannon arm either. Okay. Peyton was more. He more up here, more his head. So he's more Teddy Bridgewater. In that sense, yes. Okay. I don't disagree with that. I think he has a very potent arm. He has almost like a. 
a little it's bit good, of a, it's a, a good, a, not a great arm, is what I'm saying. I think he may have a great arm. I, I don't know. I don't think um, he's not Dan Marino. He's not Matt Stafford, who can probably throw the ball 80 yards, stuff like, like the wrist. Yeah, but I do think that his deep ball, Eli Manning type um, down the field ability is is big. Flacco has that. I think yeah. I think Teddy has that. So we'll wait and see. Speaking of Eli, is this his last year as a Giant? That is a very good question. Did you hear a couple of uh, Giants players came out um, and said that Ben McAdoo has lost the locker room, that uh, he's practicing us too hard, we're going 80% the day before games. They didn't put their name on it either. So the Giants are in turmoil. If they have the number one pick, should they draft a quarterback? But are they going to have the number one pick? Well, there's a, the next question too, or a top three pick. You have about three quarterbacks that you can take in the top five this year. That's right? actually a really good question. Who, who would are, it be, who, Baker Mayfield? Who are the top three quarterbacks that you would, in your opinion, to, well, get, right, to come off the board? You think Rosen, Rosen, Josh Darn- Allen, and you really, Darnold? You, you're sold on Josh Allen. No, but I think the NFL scout guys are. You cannot, if they have, if they like some of these guys, um, the way they test and. Their uh, form, and I think these scouts kind of look at different things. I, I, well, I, I bet you Josh Allen will, will be a top ten pick, yes. Well, I mean, that's how Jay Cutler was arguably drafted as well. I mean, he was not a very successful college quarterback at Vandy. Yeah. But he tested well at the combine. Yeah. Same same goes for Joe Flacco. Right, yeah, which absolutely. turned out to be pretty accurate. Yeah. Right? I mean, yeah, he, he did win a Super Bowl and a Super Bowl MVP. I mean, he's a good quarterback. Would I say he's elite? Not really, but he's top fifteen or something. Who's that? Joe Flacco. Yeah, around there. I, I use him as an example of somebody who tested well. Would he go to uh, uh, Delaware uh, State? Delaware State. Um, he just happened to be a big guy who had the measurables and the um, you know at the combine and everything could throw the ball the way that scouts wanted him to be able to throw it, and so they drafted him seventeenth or something overall, something like that. First round pick. And he turned out to, you know, pan out. So occasionally, so you're saying Allen may be that type of guy. Yep. And then uh, Sam Darnold's going to have to make a decision if he's coming back or not. Same with Lamar Jackson, right? Do you think Lamar Jackson deserves to be even in this conversation? Sure. Why not? Will he be drafted as a quarterback? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Uh, I th- I bet you Baker Mayfield moves up the polls. I, I absolutely. I think they have him like as an early second rounder. He'll he'll definitely squeak into the first round. I, what I like about Baker Mayfield is right when he realized he was getting arrested, he ran. Yeah. Right. You gotta like that instinct. You want that out of your quarterback. You would think he'd be able to outrun those guys. <laughs> he couldn't. He, instead, he ran straight into the. He did. It didn't go well. The guy that tackled him should, should at least get an NFL tryout. <laughs> Right. If that's the the top quarterback on a lot of people's draft boards, he's fast, right? He's a dual threat kind of. He's definitely mobile. Yeah, he really is. And you can not run a cop. <laughs> well, some cops are in great shape. I, I train with a few guys. Well, so is Baker Mayfield. Yeah, but we don't know what kind of a cop that was, right? Yeah, they could be some superhuman cops. There are some superhuman cops out there. Seriously. Um, but Baker Mayfield may end up being a, a franchise quarterback. Or at least projected as one. He may be a bust, right? That's the weird thing about the NFL quarterback system is even within families. I don't think Derek Carr's a bust. His brother David was. It also didn't help David never had an offensive line. Sure. He was abused. It it matters so much 
Same for situation Tim you Couch. put into Tim Couch. You know I mean, so many of his quarterbacks could have been very successful at other teams and vice versa, right? But the Giants, to go back to the original point, may have the opportunity to keep Eli for a few more years and draft a quarterback and groom him a la Aaron Rodgers. Yep. Or even, I guess, Carson Palmer did it for a year behind John Kitna. There's other examples. But it's not the norm today, is it? No. Deshaun Watson did not start the season as the starter, did he? No. No, but he played the second game. The second game. Okay, so. But for the most part, if you have those type of lofty expectations, you're thrown to the wolves pretty quickly. But it doesn't have to be the case, right? Yeah. Trubisky sat six games, right? What round was he? Where, where, where was he drafted? He's taking the second pick overall. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, right now, you're pretty him, much probably... thrown into the fire. But if you have the right situation, if you have Eli, and you could keep him for two or three more years, right? And groom a QB. Do they have anything else around him to actually make that work? Because it's weapons. difficult to do that if you're gonna if they're gonna be the worst team in the NFL next year too. Yeah. Right. You you, you can't go because the Bengals when they did it or the. Brett Farr always kept the the Packers in the race, right? Mm-hmm. So it's difficult to sit somebody like that behind him while your your team's horrible. Yeah, and y- your fans are saying, "Why don't we get to see this guy play? He may be better, right?" Do you think Brett Favre could still play? <laughs> sure. I'd like to see him make one more comeback. <laughs> I'd like to see him not make a comeback, but have a press conference where he says he's considering it. And then just get tons of press. Right. And, and then say, you know what? This is all unnecessary. I'm not actually coming back. And just waste a ton of people's time like and he did five other times. Right, exactly. Do That's, it again in two weeks. <laughs> that was the one thing I really got annoyed with with Brett Favre late in his career. Just, I mean, how much – not necessarily – it was just how much coverage we were giving him. I love Brett Favre. Do you? I enjoyed it. Yeah, I hate to do it, but I'm going to take the bait. Brett Favre, Jen Sturgill. Okay. Brett Favre um, was, we'll say, maybe uh, a little ahead of his time with the sexual assault. Misconduct. He just sent a picture, though. Is that considered assault? I don't know if I'd call that ahead of his time. (laughs) He was definitely ahead of his time. Ahead of his time, what I mean by this is things like that coming out. Look, George Takai. He was uh, maybe the first notable person. Louis C.K. I'm not saying he was the the first though. We're not really the first, but or he was. JFK of, did it. Well, we, Bill Clinton, he had some type of stuff. So I mean, but for the sake of this argument, I'll say maybe a little bit. It's it's really in vogue. Phone, exactly. It's really popular. Richard Dreyfus. Uh, I mean, if have you looked into this, Louis? Have you guys seen the Louis C.K. details? Yes. Yes. You guys no, know? I haven't. No. Seriously? No. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about it. <laughs> <laughs> Louis C- Louis C.K. Maybe the top comedian in the world. Yeah. Right. Money yeah. getter. Fair. Funny. He's hilarious. I give uh, Kevin Hart maybe Kevin generates Hart, more yes, revenue. I don't you're know. Right, you're right. Uh, and that Aziz Ansari, also the Indian guy, mm-hmm. he's pretty high up there too. But Another Lu- one is Joseph Coy. He's hilarious. If you ever get a chance, watch him. <laughs> Filipino. Yes, he's very hilarious though. Does he have any um, sexual assault <laughs> cases against him? I like Joe Coy. I actually listen to him um, on the Adam Carolla podcast a lot. So what were you getting at, Kelly? Is... Um, Brett Favre, I just remember the Jen Sturgill. Her name was in the the media recently. She was interviewed for a lot of these uh, stories because of the Harvey Weinstein, um, uh, Louis C.K., all these guys, uh, Richard Dreyfus, uh, George Takai. I think there's quite a few more. Oh, 
Kevin Spacey. Yep. Uh, Dustin Hoffman. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on and on of these guys who are being accused of, of sexual misconduct from many years ago. I mean, uh, Kevin Spacey, his was from like 30 years prior. So that, we mentioned Brett Favre. It just, it just you know, kind of tied it together for me. I'm glad I have closure now. Some people forget that he used to play for the Jets at one time. You know? Yeah, you're right. In the Vikings? Yeah. I have a Brett Favre rookie card. Do you? I think it's worth like 75 cents. <laughs> He's in his Falcons gear. That's right. He was drafted in the second round by the Falcons. Yeah. And didn't the Packers give up a first rounder for him? I don't know. Is yes, that right? That is crazy. Okay. It's crazy. I mean, it worked out for him. Yeah, it was certainly worth a, a first round pick. Absolutely. They got a su- one Super Bowl out of it. Right? Still, I'd argue that's probably worth it, right? I would argue that's worth it, yeah. They've had 30 years where they're like Super Bowl contenders with Brett Favre and Aaron Rodgers. You should win a Super Bowl at least every 32 years, right? Yes, at least once every 32. Based on the law of averages. There's 32 teams, right? Yes. You should win the Super Bowl at least once every 32 years. I thought about it like that. That's a good point. Okay. You, you, your goal should be to win it more frequently than once every 32 years. Okay. Be above the average. I, I would think, right? That's Oh, yeah. That's everybody's goal. Um. That's where it should be. Or else. Why are you the Bengals that? haven't. They're below average. They haven't won a Super Bowl. Browns, right? Yep. Way below average. Um, so I guess if you're evaluating it based on stuff like that, it, gives, it just gives a little bit different perspective. Do you think the Bengals or the Browns will win a Super Bowl in our lifetime? Yes. Certainly. Certainly? Yes. It, dep- it depends on how long we live. Yeah. You said last show that you were living until you were 115 years old. Yeah. I've kind of cooled on that. Now I've got my over-under set it. 50. <laughs> <laughs> You've had a couple lifestyle changes. Yeah, just a couple week. things over the past week have, cha- have changed. Um, so I'm not feeling as good about that right now. I may have a different story next week, but we'll see. I know I was ragging on you last week that you were looking too old. <laughs> you look better today. <laughs> what have you done? New skincare product? Did you put some moisturizer on before you went to bed? On my, on my bald head? Yes. No, no. Just living life, man. Just, you know, just living life. So, if I'm a Bengals fan, you're a Colts fan. You've already gotten a, a Super Bowl in your lifetime. Mm-hmm. Steve, you have not. Is that the goal? Is that how NFL GMs and ownership groups need to look at it? Is We're, we're going to probably win a Super Bowl every 32 years. So, try to win, <laughs> win it more often? Because when was the last time the, the – um, well, the Packers have won it since. Aaron Rodgers also got one. Yep. So I mean they are exceeding. They they are exceeding it. Organizations like the Steelers or the Patriots or the 49ers, they exceed that average. Yeah. At least in recent Man- memory. Manage- management's goal is probably to be relevant so they could bring in the most money possible, right? Sure, it's a business. It's a good point. It's a business. And the, and Mike Brown and the Brown family certainly look at it. I think back to the Jeff Blake era with uh you know, Darnay Scott, Carl Pickens and they they and then even Carson Palmer and Chad Johnson and they they put up a good passing team that'll put up points and keep fans excited, maybe not paying as close attention to defense and the, the not-so-glamorous parts of running a team, um, just so you can sell tickets and keep people showing up for the games. Hey, the, the Cavs won the championship. I'm good. I'm set for, like, another 50 years. <laughs> people don't know how... How important that was to the city. LeBron, he doesn't have to win another one for, for Cleveland ever. He will, you know, he's remembered as a 
LeBron's came out over the last week and in an interview said that he he would like to own an NBA franchise. Yeah. Maybe he ends up owning the Cavs. Have people kind of cooled on him going to the L.A.? It seems kind of. They do have a bunch of cap space. The Lakers have a bunch of cap space still. I was never sold on that story to begin with. Were you not? Some people in the national media were, it's a foregone conclusion that LeBron's going to the the Lakers, right? Yes, a lot of people, Jalen Rose was definitely all in on he's going to be in L.A., right? I think he stays in the East. If anywhere, it's either he'll keep signing one-year deals with the Cavs or he's going to the Knicks. What do you think about that one? He tweeted out that he thinks Dennis Smith Jr. of the out of North Carolina State should have been drafted by the Knicks. At a, instead of the Mavericks, should have went to the should be a should be a Nick. So what does he mean by that? I don't know. What did he mean by that, Les? Well, Please translate for me. Well, the um, Knicks drafted Frank Nitlakina from France before they drafted him. He was the point guard that was selected before Dennis Smith Jr. That's more or less what he means by that. But my whole thing is Nitlakina has played really well for the Knicks, in my opinion. I think he's more he's more stable. He's more uh, makes smarter plays out there than Smith is. Smith is definitely head and shoulders more talented, but I think New York's was looking more for a true point guard, one to actually make smart decisions out there on a consistent basis, and that's what Nitlakina brings over Smith right now. I okay, Smith like I said, Smith's ceiling is higher, but Nitlakina is more. There's kind of more structure in his game, really. Smith. Could you imagine LeBron and Porzingis and maybe one other star? No, that would sell tickets. That would be that would a, a that, that w- he loves Madison Square Garden. How many right? years left does LeBron have? That is, I think that's the million dollars. He's question. thirty-two. I'm saying, how many years left in the NBA or playing at an elite level? I think in that's... life until he dies. <laughs> no, um, in the NBA, playing at an elite level. I say about five years. That's crazy. That's a long time. That's no. insane until he's 37. But yeah. I wouldn't argue against that because I could easily see him do that, right? Has he changed his style a yeah, little bit? a little bit. He, he really has. He, he has. What do you mean by that, he though? He plays in the post now a little Except bit. Except he started he, the season playing point guard. Well, he has to. Really okay, but, but yeah, so you say that, and he's bulk, He's bulky. He's always been bulky. He's got a turnaround jumper now. Yeah. That's really effective. Yeah. Seems like he's changing his game, right? Yeah. You know, I was looking at the Cavs roster. They look – it's not that good. With I, with Isaiah Thomas hurt. They've got Derrick Rose, though. He yeah, won an MVP. But these guys on teams last year, Derrick Rose, Dwayne Wade, I mean, they weren't that good, right? No, Dwayne Wade doesn't appear to have a whole lot left in the tank. No. Now, in a certain – in a certain series at the end of uh, the playoffs or something like that, I could see Dwayne Wade having a lot of value. Yeah. Fifteen strong minutes. Mm-hmm. We so haven't even talked. To, we game. haven't even touched on the potential team that could threaten the Cavs for coming out of the East. The team that's winning eleven straight games. Yeah, that's won eleven straight games. I'm sorry, should the Bucks? I was talking about the Celtics. The Celtics. I think the Bucks have not won eleven games. I know. In a row, okay? well, I'm going with the Bucks. That's what I was talking about. Oh, the Bucks could challenge the Cavs. Possibly, which, right? Especially with the new addition with Bledsoe. Yeah. What do you think? They don't have Jabari Parker anymore, do they? Um, no, he's probably going to sit out this season. He's um, they've declined a uh, team option, so he's going to be a restricted free agent. So they have basically Eric Bledsoe and and Greek Freak, Chris Middleton, is Thon Maker, Josh Brogdon, right? Malcolm Brogdon, oh, yeah, Brogdon. rookie of the year. Yeah, they're deep, but um, when it comes playoff time and and the the stress is on the line, the pressure is on the line. Who who are you going to take? Oh yeah, definitely the Cavs. Right. Until proven otherwise, 
Uh, Oxmoor Chrysler Dodge Jeep and Ram Buzzline is 502-384-1450. We encourage you to give us a call. Get in on the action. We're going to head to the Buzzline now where we have Jasper is on the line with us. How are you this morning, Jasper? Hey, boys, this is where you get on the action, right? You want to get on, on the action? Yeah. I want to switch gears, though. I want to talk about the championship classic. Okay. What? What? Fill us in. Well, boys, what's y'all thoughts about the Cats playing Kansas and also that Duke and Michigan State? Nobody's going to be watching the Michigan State-Duke game. It's all about the Cats. But <laughs> Jasper, is this, a real, is this a real country accent? <laughs> Jasper, talk to me. Where are you Kentucky, I what? Jasper, where are you from? Hazard. Hazard, huh? Kentucky. Hazard? Okay. Hazard, Kentucky. Um, no one's going to be watching this. What, what restaurants does Hazard I'm, I'm, I just want to know more about Hazard. Kelly, what do you think? It could be a real call. I don't know. Um, Jasper, sell us on this Kentucky team. They're very young. They have two guys who had played last year who are currently in the rotation. Why is this Kentucky team... Uh, potent. Why do they have the the firepower to make a run this season? Because you still got Kyle Perry there. That's all that matters. As long as Kyle Perry's there, you see he's done it since 2010. Okay. Every year he has a whole new squad of freshmen mixed in with a couple of seniors and juniors. Granted, but every year it's the freshmen, and he always has his boys ready to play come March. So you are you are a lifelong Kentucky fan, and you are happy with the current state of the Kentucky program. You like one and duns. Absolutely, he started it, and then you see the copycat Coach K over there gone and started doing it too. He did, yeah. He Coach did. K, Coach K is also doing it. He mixes in a little bit more upperclassmen probably than than Kentucky does, right? Maybe not here lately, though, right? He got, he got that cheater, cheater uh, Grayson Allen is the only upperclassman he got this year. Okay. He's going to copy Coach Powell's uh, whole scheme. Yeah. All of his boys are freshmen now. I would disagree that he copied any scheme. It's always been the name of the game to get the best players you can get, so I don't really know about copying a scheme. I mean, the one and done has been more prevalent since the high school, since players aren't allowed to go straight from high school to the pros. But definitely, Devin Calipari is definitely the poster boy. But the name of the game has always been to get the best players you can get. You look at Saban in football. You look at Coach Urban Meyer. It's always been the name of the game. So I don't know if this is Calipari's style, I guess, per se. I never was sold on that. I mean, didn't they just do a 30 for 30 about them? They did. One and done. Yeah, yeah. Calipari is the poster child, certainly, as Les said, for uh, the one and done. And, I mean, I – if I'm a Kentucky fan, I don't hate him. I mean, continuity and getting to know players and things like that, it's a different world right now with college basketball. I can't name that many people on the current Kentucky team. Which Kentucky players, Jasper, stand out Kevin? to you as being the best on this team? Kevin Knox. Kevin? Honestly. He is yeah. the real deal. He okay. is the real deal. 6'8", small forward probably. Yes. and he's. I think you're, we're going to see as the season goes on how good of a shooter he really is. Okay. Who else? I mean, as well as Kevin Knox, I think it's going to be the one that brings the team around. Okay. Honestly, there's a couple other freshmen. Who, who The boy who came in late last year, Diallo. he's going to do a couple things as well. Okay. Well, well, Jasper, we appreciate your call. We encourage you to give us a call maybe next week. We'd love to hear from you again. Have a great rest of your weekend, Jasper. Thank you. 
I appreciate it, boys, and I want to hear your input once I call in next week about this championship game. Thank you for having me on. Will do. Thank you very much, Jasper. We're actually going to head to a break. We are the Weekend Sports Buzz coming at you every Sunday morning, 9 a.m. until 11 a.m., talking all things in the world of sports. I'm Kelly Patrick. This is Steve Driver. That's Les Abbott. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Weekend Sports Buzz here on 96.1 FM, 1450 AM, WXVW. Uh, we are in the heart of it. College football season, college basketball season starting up right now. Uh, World Series ended a couple weeks ago, uh, so not so much to talk about there. But, I mean, NFL action, um, Roy Halladay, former Major League Baseball pitcher, yeah, yeah. Uh, tragically passed away at the age of 40. Uh, Did you watch the the a little bit of the video taken. I, I did. Yeah. He was supposedly had started to fly planes within the past three years. So he's a relatively new pilot. And it turned into a hobby of his. His wife had reportedly said that it made her very nervous when he would do these tricky, uh, you know, risky tricks in the planes. Yep. He would you, you fly. And it does sound like fun. Um, fly real high and then like. Adjust, maybe turn your engine off and let the altitude drop so your plane drops down and then turn it back on right before you hit the water. Or maybe not right before, but try to fly back up and just do, do tricky, yeah. risky type of moves. It's a very small plane. It, it's almost like a jet ski. You go on water, take off. The, the wings fold up. You can, you can carry it on a trailer behind your car, right? It's a very small plane. Um, really futuristic looking, cool looking plane, right? just seems like he was hot dogging it and um les made a post about it on facebook that got a few people riled up uh there was a radio personality where was it up north it i think Boston. it was it was, Bo- it was Fledge, uh, fledger and maserati is is the radio show that was uh, in northeast uh part of the country in boston yes a radio personality said well roy halliday got what he deserved you're gonna do dumb stuff you're my gonna point, my point you're gonna die was, my it, point was by that was his whole logic behind it is those who take risks deserve to die. And my question really, I don't think that was cleared up on the post, was, you know, the definition of what a risk is, it all depends on who you ask. We can make an argument we take risks every day. Mm-hmm. Does that mean any, everybody who dies deserves to die? I mean, we could argue getting in your car. I mean, that's one thing my dad always said is we risk our lives every time we get into a, a car. But does that mean that we deserve to die if we get into a car accident? I don't think so. My whole point was that I think the comments were uncalled for. I mean, by the radio personality. Yes, absolutely. I think. I mean, there's probably no doubt that Roy Halladay should have been playing it safer, and he probably shouldn't have been in the plane in the first place. We could say that, but to say to make the comments that he got what he deserved, I think that was a little hard. It's obviously uh, comes across as malicious to say someone died. They've got a family they left behind. They got what they deserve. It's never popular to rip on the dead, you know, at all. And he's, I, I wouldn't argue that he got what he deserved. However, if 
do you have a family? You have wife, kids. You have people who love you or depending on you. Like I do. I've got an eight and nine-year-old. I should probably try to avoid doing extremely risky things, right? Yeah, right, yeah. absolutely. I uh, probably should chill out on the notion of going skydiving every weekend or, you know. Have you been before? I went skydiving once when I was 18. Within a couple weeks of me turning 18, I went skydiving. How'd it go? <laughs> it was scary. Really? <laughs> I was 10,000 feet in the, in the air and had to push myself out um, on my own. I had someone strapped to my back, though. Did you wear a diaper? <laughs> no. Were you nervous about surviving at all? Yes, yes. My feet were dangling out of a uh, a plane, and I had to. They say, "Okay, when you're ready, push yourself out." And I imagine some people then cannot push themselves out, right? Yeah. But my feet were dangling, and I could have backed out and said, "No, I don't want to do this." But I physically pushed myself out, and uh, we then plummeted ten thousand feet. So that's scary. But I should probably, and I don't think that that's even near as risky as no. what some of this stuff Roy Halliday was doing. I'd agree. Statistically, statistically, skydiving isn't really that risky. Yeah. But doing really crazy stuff where you're going up into a plane, Stance, yeah. and then you, you let your engine turn off, and you're like, all right, I've got six seconds, I think, six seconds, till I need to turn my engine back on, and wow, that feels weird, my stomach feels weird, oh, you know when a plane goes up and then down, yeah. you're like, oh, that was kind of cool, I'd imagine it's much more extreme with what he was doing, it was just a thrill, he was obviously a thrill seeker, mm-hmm. and so, I do think it's your responsibility as a, a provider, as a, a man, as a, a father, to not put yourself in those situations. Maybe you don't ride on a motorcycle without a helmet. At sure. Really fast speeds, right? Which I did that when I was younger too. Yeah, me too. Um, Chris Henry, you shouldn't. You should probably try to avoid jumping into the back of a, a pickup truck while it's moving. Stuff, Absolutely. Stuff like that. I don't mean to laugh at all, but there's simply things that are responsible and things that are, are irresponsible. You should avoid using drugs to the point of dying, right? Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. I'll, I'll be the judge of that. Especially if you have kids, right? I mean, that's irresponsible. That's that's selfish. You could argue it's selfish. Your 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 thrill seeking your desire to, to seek these thrills outweighs um, your rational thought. But the guy that I was talking to yesterday, Tim, actually shout out to my man Chuck Scoggins, who got me great Dr. Chuck Scoggins, who got me great tickets to the U of L game yesterday. But I was able to sit next to Dr. Chuck Scoggins and Tim Cotterell. Tim owns a plane, um, not that different from what Roy Halliday had. And he said that that's not that uncommon. And I said to him, Well, don't you think it was irresponsible? And he said, No, not really. He just didn't realize that what he was doing was as risky as it was. Does that make sense? He thought he was confident at the moment. That it was a good move, that he was going to be fine, and something just—I don't know what happened. Maybe there's a malfunction or something. Yeah. Who knows? There's, I, I, uh, there's videos. People—he was doing really risky stuff. So yeah. the people that were close to him pulled out their phones and were like, "Oh my God, look at that!" And they started recording it. So I mean, he was doing really risky he stuff. Said he'd been uh, doing it all weekend too, <laughs> like he was doing it a couple days before as well. So. Not, not, not going to go on the air and, and be so much of a shock jock that I say he got what he deserved. But yeah, I, I would like to think that if I was a child, I would hope my father was not doing things like that, right? 
role of a father or a parent in, in kids' lives is very important. No one will debate that. And um, those kids would have been much better off if Roy Halladay, at the age of 40, was still around. Absolutely. Very young. Very young. I'll never forget. I posted on Facebook. I'll never forget. My Reds made the playoffs in 2010. 2010 was a, the last year that I really felt engaged in the Reds. Joey Votto won the National League MVP, and I was actually fortunate to go out on the field with my dad and my brother. My dad got to throw out the first pitch of a game against the Diamondbacks. I mean, they had it going on. They had Joey Votto. Um, you know, they had Cueto, Volquez, um, Brandon Phillips in his prime. They made it to the playoffs for the you know the one game play in, yeah. And they played against the Phillies, and guess who they went up against? Roy Halladay. Roy Halladay, and what happened? I sat and watched. I don't watch every game. I follow through box scores. I sat and watched an entire game where Roy Halladay threw a damn no hitter against my Reds, and then the season's over. <laughs> that sucked. Roy Halladay was a stud. I think he won two. I, I believe he won two Cy Youngs, maybe 10 or 12 All-Stars. And he won two Cy Youngs in both the AL and the NL. Uh, he won a Cy Young for the Phillies also, did he? wonder how many people have done that. No, uh, Roger Clemens, maybe? Roger Clemens won seven Cy Youngs, I know. Impressive. Probably for the um, Red Sox, so AL. Mm-hmm. I don't think he won one for the, the Astros. I don't know. I'd be very interested to know who else has won a, a, a Cy Young in both the AL and the NL. Cliff Lee. Cliff Lee for the Indians and the Phillies? I don't think he won one for the Phillies, though, did he? They had a nice... nice he may have. He nice may have. Staff. You and I went and watched Cliff Lee. I think it was that year, maybe, or 2011 or something. Yeah. We watched Cliff Lee against, like, uh, against Johnny Cueto for your Indians. I think your brother was with us, too. I have a list of the players that have won Cy Youngs in both leagues. Yeah, baseball's so damn old. I was I was asking I it. I was asking it like there was probably one other person. Go on, Les. All right, it's Max Scherzer was the last to do it in damn. 2013. Should have known that. Detroit and Arizona. Yes, Randy Johnson. All right, uh, Seattle and uh, Arizona. Arizona. Um, Pedro Martinez. All right, so Boston. Boston and New York. And New York. Probably. Mets. Right. Wait, no, 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 no. Yeah, he, he wasn't that good for the Mets. Well, for the Mets, you looking at it? I'm looking at it right now. Damn. Um, okay. Roy Halladay, as we just mentioned. Roger Clemens. Roger Clemens, could you tell me, please, the teams? I will here in a second. Um, <laughs> Red Sox, and actually, he did one with the Astros. The Astros back when they were in the National League. Yes, back okay. when they were in the National League. Okay. They were in the NL Central. And um, I, I might give you a high five if you get this last one. <laughs> is it somebody that I should know who it is? No, absolutely not. I'd be really impressed if you knew. Had you ever heard of the pitcher before? I had, but I wouldn't have guessed he had won a Cy Young in both leagues. What what years did he play? Like, give me a year that he was playing. Played way before our time. That's okay. all I'm going to say. Babe Ruth? No. Yeah, that wouldn't make sense. No. Cy Young was Who is it? Gaylord Perry. Gaylord Perry, okay. I thought about naming my son Gaylord. Did you really? No. There's some there's some names today, Kelly, that just don't fit. You know that were popular back in the day: Adolf, Gaylord, Jasper. You know. <laughs> While I'm looking at this, do you want to know a crazy stat that I just realized? Sure. 
Nolan Ryan, arguably one of the best pitchers I, ever. I can complete your sentence if you'd like. Yes, go ahead. He never. Okay, yeah, I'll take it a uh, umph degree further. He never won a. He never won a Cy Young. Nope. He never even came in second place for Cy Young voting. That's, yeah, I think that's crazy. When you think you arguably think Nolan Ryan is he's one overrated, of the best. obviously. Overrated. His record was not that 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 much above five hundred for his career. I agree. He pitched like twenty six seasons. We established. Everybody uh, just knows he threw. He threw really hard. He threw seven no hitters. Twelve. Twelve. Yep. Damn. Twelve no hitters. All time leader in strikeouts. How many seasons did he pitch last? Twenty six. You were right. Twenty six. That's insane. It's a long time. I wonder uh, how his shoulder's doing right now. Just got a text in from Katie, who called in earlier. Um, I assume about the Roy Halladay. Kind of a controversial text, but I'll read it. She said, uh, it's called natural selection. Wow. That's so harsh. That's very harsh. But I will say, I know Katie happens to be a mother. Steve, you're a father. I'm a father. In all seriousness, I do feel strongly that my responsibility as a, a parent is to, at least till my kids are 18 or 20, right? To be around and to, to provide for them, make sure they're safe, and to um, not go out and do something stupid that's going to get me killed. Uh, and I agreed with that. Yeah. I mean, I, it's not that controversial of a statement. That's so no. what, if, what if you were... Um, the whole thing, he got what he deserved, but that statement, that's what I was arguing. There's it malice. Was how, it was more or less how he was wording it, not necessarily why he was saying it, if that makes any what sense. What if you have a couple kids and you're a formula, a formula One driver? That's a great question. What about that, exactly. Kelly? Yeah, or NASCAR driver making millions of dollars. That's a different thing. Racing cars. That's, that's different. Oh, is it? Yes, that's but your profession. Still, but it still goes into like that whole statement of a risk. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's that was my point though. What's the definition? The definition of a risk varies on who you ask. There's a spectrum. We could have it from here to here. This is the riskiest thing. You, what's the riskiest thing you can do? Bull riding. I don't know about that. I mean, as the risk. What if you're a professional bull rider with kids? That may be different. Okay. Or an MMA fighter. Or, uh, NFL or an athlete in general. Player. Football player. Okay. Football player. Football players don't normally die on the field. Okay. I don't remember anyone dying on the field. Do you? Could Not shorten me. your lifespan though, right? Occasionally someone will die inside an MMA cage. I was actually doing commentary earlier this year uh, where somebody passed away. Um, so certain things are risky. I don't know what the riskiest profession. What would the riskiest profession in the world be? Those guys. What's Matthew McConaughey's brother do? What is it? You're a. Uh, um, damn it. But you 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 you. Um, I forget what it is. I'll bring it up. But he had his own t- television show. And um, all right. So what about like diving, um, deep sea diving? Yeah. That stuff can get really risky. You get down and your pressure is tweaked so a little bit. You're dead. So Not basically, how much money are you making? Mm-hmm. Right? Is how are you insured financially for that? Yeah. If you died while playing the sport that you loved, would your kids and your family be taken care of? Was Roy Halladay insured for if he died? He may have had a big life insurance policy. Sure. So if it's just he's got some money put away. Oh, yeah. we don't know that. Athletes go broke all the time. I think that plane was like three million dollars, wasn't it? That doesn't mean he was pr- fiscally prudent. Does that mean that he was fiscally prudent that he bought a three million dollar plane? Not necessarily. I'm not saying. All I'm saying was, when it comes to athletes, I never assume. Well, he was a pro athlete, so you know their family's taken yeah, care of. I, I've encountered too many jockeys' families or NBA players or NFL, right? Mm-hmm. Where they're broke, they get nothing. Muhammad Ali, greatest. He had many kids. Um, you know, they're not all 
prospering right now. Larry Bird has kids floating around out there. That Sean Kemp has some kids floating <laughs> around out there. Uh, Cromarty. I think Dwight he Howard. actually. Dwight, Dwight Howard has a bunch of kids. How many? Yeah, he has eight kids. You know what? I've been I've been on the air for um, six years now, and like two or three times, I just happened to be on the air on a Sunday on Father's Day, and what we've done is is um, bring up those lists of, of, prosperous of the athletes who have the most kids. And then you say Happy Father's Day. <laughs> happy Father's Day. Who does have the most kids? Cromartie probably. Calvin Murphy, I think, had like fourteen. He well, played in the NBA for a long time. Doesn't Cromartie have thirteen or fourteen? Calvin, yeah, Antonio. Which Cromartie is it? Antonio Cromartie. Antonio Cromartie. After vasectomy. Had a, a child after a vasectomy, I think, Two. twice. Yes. Yeah. You have to give it a certain time period before this thing kicks in. That's so I don't mean to. S- once again, I'm going on a high horse and being all judgy, right? Mm-hmm. But. If you're a parent, you should be responsible, right? I'm not going to rip on Roy Halladay specifically for that because if I had the resources that he obviously had to be able to buy a $3 million plane, you know, I could get into something like that. It does sound like fun, but I hope I would never. I mean, riding a motorcycle scares the hell out of me. Yep. NFL games on television today. This is always a, a, a exciting topic of the show. Um, not because the, the games that are on locally are not always the games that have the most interest, uh, you know, nationally. We have the Cincinnati Bengals are 3-5 and five at the Tennessee Titans at 1 o'clock on WDRB Channel 9 on the regular stations. Pittsburgh Steelers, 6-2 and two at the Indianapolis Colts, 3-6. and six. Definitely not the best games on TV, right? But at 4-25... We do have the Dallas Cowboys at Atlanta Falcons. That's a big game. Falcons have had a lot of injuries, haven't they? Then we have the Sunday night game, the Patriots at the Denver Broncos. Damn, what about that? I mean, I think at the beginning of the season, this would have been a more primetime matchup than what it is now. Yeah, the Broncos have been struggling lately. They're trying to choose between Brock Osweiler and Trevor Simeon to um, who's going to start tonight. you you got to go with Simeon, right? I don't know. He's actually he's <laughs> played poorly lately, but in some previous games, he showed a little bit of promise. He Brock Osweiler has more- shown some promise at times. I mean, he did beat New England the last time he started for the Broncos in Foxborough. Brock Osweiler did? Mm-hmm. They won it off of, of a handoff to C.J. Anderson in overtime. So, I mean, he, did, he ha- can say that he beat New England in Foxborough. So. Kelly, are you going to watch your Bengals today? Yeah, I, I will. I'm going to watch it 1 o'clock. I mean, they're only 3 and 5. I know. I mean, you, you get hot. Yeah, that's what's cool about right. the NFL. I mean, this Jeremy is- Hill injury, uh, his season's over. That kind of sucks. I like Jeremy Hill. First-round pick. A uh, lot of promise. But they do have Joe Mixon. They've got Giovanni Bernard um, out of the backfield. Their offensive line's depleted. So I don't, I don't predict the Bengals get hot like I I'm what, hoping they will. What did you think of AJ Green's form on his takedown <laughs> of the fight? His fight with um, Jalen Ramsey last last week. It was a good um, rear na- naked choke, right? <laughs> My terminology correct? Yes. I mean, they were both fully clothed, but <laughs> it was a nice takedown. Yeah, I mean, kind of. It was kind of. A... He, he kept it too. He didn't. He didn't lose grip. Yeah, it's difficult to do, and you know, with all the pads on and stuff, on. And helmets. Um. A.J. Green getting a lot of flack. 
You know, he, he, he's not happy with the team, which is fine. Kind of almost like what happened with Calvin Johnson, right? Yeah. Or Barry Sanders or any of those guys. It seems to me like if AJ, or, or let's say better yet, Carson Palmer, to keep it with the Bengals, you play for a franchise that sucks, you're going to bail out eventually a lot of times. Not always. I'll say, do you blame A.J. Green at all? A.J. Green is, Green, sorry, is one of the best receivers in the NFL. Sure, maybe top two or three. Arguably. Who, who are they? O- Odell Beckham, Julio, Julio Jones, Jones uh, Antonio, Antonio Brown. Brown. Yeah, absolutely. DeAndre Hopkins, I think, makes an argument as well. So maybe four or five. A.J. Green's maybe one of the top five. No, in no particular order. I'm just, I'm just naming off some of the better. No, I don't necessarily, necessarily blame him. However, you're getting paid a bunch of money. You know what we haven't talked about is your Josh Gordon. <laughs> Did you read the story about Josh Gordon? Yeah. He would smoke marijuana and drink, not always both, but during the year that he led. One. What? He would do either one. Before or sometimes day. both at the same or time. Sometimes both, yeah, absolutely. And he would drink like Hennessy or, um, or Grand Marnier to warm himself up, and that was the entire season where he led the NFL in receiving yards. Yes. He did this back to a cop. Until uh, college, right? When he played for Baylor, didn't yeah. you say he did it as far ago as then? <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. Hey, that doesn't really bother me for some reason, right? Whatever you gotta do to get the job done. Well, I won't say whatever. None. Of, no, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> because steroids and stuff obviously gives you a decided advantage, right? But I don't think. I think that's a topic for another time. That we only have four minutes. You're saying that's debatable. That actually is debatable. Well, we can talk about that another time. You're saying steroids do not help you in football. I never said that. Never said they didn't help you. I'm just saying that's a that's a topic we could get into in a later show. Is what I'm saying. I would love to hear someone articulate an argument where an outside linebacker who's on steroids doesn't have an advantage over an outside linebacker who's not on steroids. It is. It is all. It goes to show you have to do research on what they actually what steroids or performance enhancing drugs actually do. Okay. That's yeah. That's, that's what I'm saying. That could. All I'm saying is that could get into another topic that we don't have. But but Josh Gordon was drinking and smoking weed before every game, okay? Yeah. He said he would do it, and then he would conceal the smell if he was smoking weed. You know, he said he would smoke weed every game. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he obviously got kicked out of Basically, what's he doing now? He, well, he's, he's trying to get back now. into the, yeah. But where, where's he at? He's nowhere now. But, but <laughs> he led the NFL in receiving yards. If you look at his, I looked at his game-by-game breakdown, he like 261 yards yeah. receiving. He didn't even play all 16 games. Either. No, yeah, yeah. He just had some freakish productivity numbers that year. Such a waste of talent. I guess. If they let him keep playing, he may be, go down as the greatest receiver ever. Well, well they, that's what he they, says. They test for marijuana. That's part of the game. True. Right? Yeah. He should have just stuck to drinking Grand Marnier. Yeah. A bunch of Grand Marnier before the game. I mean, he said it would warm himself up. What other athletes would do that before games? You know, Ron Artest would talk about he would go to the liquor store and he would get a bottle of Hennessy or something and he would drink in the locker room before games. I, or sometimes I, even I, Mar- Maurice Claret, uh, Lawrence Taylor would smoke crack at halftime. Mm-hmm. I always go back to that one. I'm sorry, Steve. I don't see how drinking a bunch of alcohol before a basketball game could help you that much. I don't see. No, I've never. I've, I've drank and, you know, done plenty of partying. Never have I felt that drinking um, increased my productivity in the athletic realm. I've played basketball drunk, you know. Um, that does not sound like it. I've wrestled around with friends after drinking. That doesn't seem like it helps me at all. But everybody's body's a little bit differently. I could see we're smoking a little bit of weed maybe. You know, maybe loosens you up. 
keeps your yeah. mind where you're not overthinking things, makes it more uh, muscle memory comes into play. Yeah, I bet that happens in the NBA more than you think, too. Oh, yeah. They, they yeah, don't get good. tested as much as some other leagues, right? Yeah, I forget the player, but over the past few weeks, I've seen a report where someone came out and said, oh, yeah, everybody in the NBA smokes before games. Yeah. Which, that doesn't bother me. That doesn't hurt anybody. It doesn't put you at risk. Maybe it puts that individual at risk a little bit. If you're lackadaisical or, you know, not paying attention, you could get hurt. Um, but that's a whole different topic, too. So, A.J. Green may hold out uh, from the Bengals. Maybe he'll just retire. Remember, Carson Palmer just said, I have $160 million in the bank. I'm not playing for the Bengals again. And then they, like, got him to the Raiders somehow and kind of flaked out there. But he's went on to have a good stint with the, the Cardinals, although injury-plagued. And he's an offensive coordinator that has a specific scheme around a quarterback with a big arm. That's when Carson Palmer has been at his most successful in his career. Bruce Arians, he loves quarterbacks with big arms. Mm-hmm. We'll see. We appreciate everyone tuning in to the Weekend Sports Buzz. Be sure to join us next Sunday from 9 a.m. till 11 a.m. I'm Kelly Patrick, Steve Driver, Les Abbott. Have a great rest of the weekend, everybody.